Well, good morning. It's good to see everyone. I'm glad that you're here today. If this is your first time at Cornerstone Church, welcome. We're so glad that you chose to worship with us today. Pastor Sean and Lisa are out of town, out of state. They're in Florida this morning. Um, We have a family missions trip that begins next week. We have a team of people from our church, uh, about 40 people that are going to be there. We're teaming up with a small church plant uh, in the Tampa, Florida area, and we're going to do a VBS for them. We're going to do nightly uh, revival services, and really just just to bless the pastor in the church there. Uh, you heard uh, Pastor Marcel speak last week. It's his uh, son-in-law and daughter's church in Tampa, Florida, and um, so Kevin and I, the rest of the staff are all in Florida, and Kevin and I are here, so I don't know if we're in trouble or it's a, it's not a punishment to be with you today, but they are in Florida Maybe on a beach. And I just, I mentioned Kevin. I just want to mention Kevin. That is a great haircut that you have. That is just, if no one said it, that is an excellent haircut. I know people keep confusing us for each other. If I was to sing, you would realize I'm not Kevin. It would be really obvious. We are continuing our series in James, and we're in James chapter 3 today. I, of every section of James that... Um, if I got to pick that I would pick, it would not be James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, because of the subject matter, taming the tongue. I feel like as I come up today, I am a complete hypocrite. Uh, it is difficult. Matter of fact, later on in a verse, it says it's impossible. You cannot do it. That doesn't mean it's a hopeless situation, but it says we cannot tame our own tongues. And um, this is something I struggle with, and you struggle with as well. I know you do. James says it. You, you struggle. We struggle with taming our tongues. Um, let me start reading the verses here. James 3, I'm going to read uh, one. I'm going to read all those verses, 1 through 12. It says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. Verse 6. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Nobody would... Venture to say amen after that. (laughs) All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is restless evil full of deadly poison. Verses 9 through 12. You know, we could have skipped this. Pastor Sean might not have known. We could have just started at verse 13 and said, yeah, we did James chapter 3. Verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise 
and cursing, my brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt produce spring, salt spring produce fresh water. God, we thank you for your word today. Um, God, we're thankful for you. Um, I echo the song we just sung. Um, God, we believe in you. Anything is possible because of your grace and your mercy. Um, I pray today that uh, as we share on taming our tongue, um, this is a judgment-free zone. This is a house of freedom. So God, I pray that as we share this today, I pray um, all of us, as we struggle with taming our tongue, I pray that you'll set us free to do it. Um, I pray that we would be the thing that you've created us to be, and this would not be a block in our journey in following you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So verse 1 says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers. Because there's like a different level that you're judged. So we're accountable to God up to the level of our influence. So if you're going to speak for God, you're going to be judged for it. You know, if, if you have children... It's scary the influence you have over them. Um, I, I pull my kids aside from time to time, and I say, hey, I really want to explain this to you. I want to I tell you this, and, and I, I think that's what changes their life. But it's really the day-to-day how they see my wife and I interact with each other and interact with them and interact with others and then talk about each other and talk about others. My, um, my daughter, she's three, and um, somebody in our house taught her, you know that na-na-na-na-boo-boo? Um, they tried to teach her that. She didn't, all she could do is that na-na-na-na-na-na. So she does that all the time now. That's her new thing. So it was so cute at first, like na-na-na-na-na-na, and then she would take something and run off with it. So if we were in the living room watching TV, she would come in. Na 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 na. Be like, where's the remote? Somebody, she grabs the remote and runs out of the room. It was so cute at first, but dinner time. Na 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 na. Ella, this and she takes our fork. Na 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 na. Takes a pillow. Na. It's it's. See, you're even annoyed now by me. I know you are. <laughs> it's over and over. And so I said, to him, I'm like, which one of you boys taught her that? And they're like, we don't know, Dad. We don't know. You know, my, my, my boys are constantly teaching her to say things that are just a little bit questionable. Like, I'm sure they taught her the word no. I'm like, Ella, you got to pick up your stuff. No, Daddy. I'm like, boys, which one of you? But it was, no is like a natural thing. But they teach her those kind of like mommy bad words. We're like, what? And she goes, hey, shut up. I'm like, where did you get that from? And the boys are like, oh, I, we were just playing. We were just wanted to see. It was, we thought it would be so cute if she said that. She comes up to me and says, Daddy, you're bald. Like, who taught you that? And the boys are standing there. They're just laughing and laughing. So we have a new rule in our house. If she says something like that, whoever taught her that is the one who gets punished. Because at first we would punish her like, no, you can't say that. And she would look at us so weird. And then she would look at them like, what? 
So we realize, no, it's the one who's teaching her to say that. It's the one who's put her in that situation. And listen, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are a picture of Christ. There is a great privilege there. What a, what a great honor to represent Christ to someone else. What a great honor it is. I'm the family pastor here at the church. What a great honor it is to speak into your children's lives, to come alongside you and say, our God is great. I mean, what an honor that is, but it also, it carries a weight. There's a weight to it. And so we have to determine this, that I'm going to use whatever influence I have to create this grand picture of who Jesus Christ is. I'm just determined whatever influence I have, no matter how small or how big, I'm going to use that influence to say, our God is a great God. I have a dear friend of mine. Um, She's, um, I believe she's in her late 70s. She's in the hospital right now. She's had multiple strokes the last couple months. And Ronan and I went to go see her in the hospital. We went with another couple that are friends with ours as well. And we walked in her hospital room, and I was really shocked at her condition because it's not how I remembered her, just full of life and fun and uh, loving. And um, she's in the room, and she's asleep, and her daughter's in the room. And as the four of us walk in the room, her daughter says, oh, you guys, thanks so much for coming. And, and again, I'm really, um, to see her hooked up to the machines, and it, it was shocking for me. It's just not the picture that I had of her. And um, so we asked her daughter, you know, how's she doing? How are, and we're just talking back and forth. She's telling us about her condition and what the doctors are saying. And, um, and she said, really, she's at this point right now, she's just really unresponsive. Um, every once in a while, you know, she'll kind of open her eyes and look around the room. And, um, and so we, the four of us then went really close near where she was in the bed. I remember my wife is standing here and the other couple are right across from us. And um, we say, well, you know, let's, we can pray over her or, you know, even though she's not awake right now, but, uh, you know, we should at least do that. And I just said, I said, hey, you guys, remember the time? Her name is Eunice. I said, you guys remember the time? Um, and I just told him a story about Eunice. And we all kind of laughed for a second. And then, and then the, the guy across me said, hey, I remember the first time I met her. And this is what she did. And then Ronna says, oh, my goodness, I remember the time with my kids that she did this. And then it's like the, the other lady, she's, oh, my goodness, she always does this. And I said, I remember that one time I, I thought maybe I had upset her. But she was so gracious with me. And as we're talking back and forth, the daughter says, oh, my goodness, you guys, look. And we look, and Eunice's eyes are open wide, and she grins. And she's just following us back and forth as we're saying these words. It was complete accident. But as we're saying these words over her, it's like she started to come to life. And Ronan says, my wife says, Eunice, can we sing a song? And she kind of moves her head just a little bit. We all held hands and grabbed her hands and sung a song for her. And as we sung, we sung the song, It Is Well. It is well, it is well with my soul. There were tears running down her face. And I thought as I was preparing this message, I thought, this is, what, this is where James is trying to put us. He's not trying to say, stop it with your words. Stop it, stop it, stop it. He's trying to create a picture for you. This is the power of our words. It brings life. It sets people free. That's the power of our words. Going backwards, Proverbs 18, 21, the power of life and death is in the tongue. 
So verse 3, verses 3 through 6, it creates these kind of three metaphors, these three pictures. It talks about a bit in a horse's mouth, a rudder on a ship, or the spark of a fire. And these are three powerful things that are all controlled by something small. Three powerful things in the sense of a spark that was started by something small. And once these three things start to go, they're very difficult to control. A big ship, you can't just, hey, we turn that way. It takes a long time for it to change direction. A fire can be out of control, and it's almost impossible. Think of a a horse that's taking off, how difficult it is to get that horse to slow down and to stop. Once we speak out against someone, it's difficult to turn those words back. I've heard in marriage with your spouse that for every negative word, it takes seven positive words to overcome that one negative word. I think, my goodness, I need to talk all the time then. That one, that one word, it takes seven positive words to overcome it. It's difficult to change the course of a negative word. I, if you have your notes, these are in here. Um, I got these from someone else. This isn't out of the Bible. These are just some signs that you might have an untamed tongue. You take cheap shots at people. You gossip, sometimes disguised as prayer. You repeat rumors. You share private details. You trash talk. You make yourself look good at the expense of others. You maximize the sins of others while minimizing your own. You are super sarcastic which super is maybe the wrong word there. You are very sarcastic. You use words to intimidate others or use negative or harsh words. In other words, we're all guilty. We're all, we're all in the same boat. We're all there. So the question is, how do we tame our tongues? Verses 7 and 8, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. There is no solution for an untamed tongue. That's not closing prayer. We leave and Joe said, well, there's no solution for it. You know, I think sometimes I do this. And I, I, think, I think us men maybe lean into this. The way that we attempt to tame our tongue is just to be quiet is, well, I'm really angry, but if I won't say anything, everything's okay. And that's not really what James is writing about here. I remember my mom uh, went through a phase where she said, before anyone says anything, if you think it's negative, I want you to count to 10. Um, We were counting all the time. It's almost like as you're counting, the other person is now plotting what they're going to say. One, two, three, four, five, and then it still comes out. It's like, that's not the key. That, that might be a principle that works, but that's not the key to taming your tongue. It's not, if I count to 10, or we always say, do you, do you think before you say things? Um, that's not the key, because if you think too much, you just come up with more and more 
mean stuff to say. It's thinking that got me in trouble. You know, all these are things that I've heard growing up, but they don't tame our tongue. And just be quiet. Just, if it's not nice, don't say anything. Just, some of us say, I, that's why I never talk. That's why everyone thinks I'm so quiet. You don't really want to know what I'm thinking. You know, you asked me, so, so here it is. It is the work of God in our lives. That's it. It is the work of God in our lives. So I want you to take any ability that the enemy has grabbed in your life and said, as soon as we started this message, you're like, oh man, and you look down. And maybe you're sitting by your spouse and you're like, oh man, I can't, I can't sit through this. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it. Listen, you couldn't save yourself. You can't fix yourself. You can't make yourself a better you. We can't save the world. We can't redeem people. We cannot heal people. We cannot save people. We can give people as much self-help as we want, but it's just a big circle. Our Redeemer is Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And the only way that we can tame our tongues is to say, Christ, I need you today. Holy Spirit, today give me strength. Today give me the strength to do it. So any amount that you feel condemnation and guilt, or you feel like you're in this spiral, or you become this person, maybe in in your marriage or at work or with your kids, where you're just like, well, they're over there and I'm over here. I get along with my family really well. I never see them and I never talk to them. Any kind of like, I'm just disconnected from people because I can't tame my tongue. Or they can't tame their tongue, so they're not in my life anymore. I, it's so easy with Facebook. You can just unfriend them. But in life, it's not so easy. I just need a different boss. I just need a change of pace. I just need a vacation. I just need to get out of this relationship. I just need my kids out of the house. I just need, I mean, something's, that's not the solution. That doesn't tame the tongue. The solution is to grab hold of the mission that God truly has for your life. James is saying, you just don't be quiet. I need you to sharpen your tongue. Your tongue is a weapon for the kingdom of God. And that's why the enemy works against it. I mean, we can say things and it brings life to people. We can speak peace over people and our whole situation starts to change. I mean, your tongue is a weapon for God. There are things you could say to your kids that they'll remember for the rest of their lives. And while you're saying it, they're like, oh, whatever, mom, whatever, dad. But it's taking root in their hearts and lives. I mean, one word of, hey, I'm praying for you. I know you're going through a difficult time can change someone's life at work. And to simply say to your spouse, Hey, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Hey, we'll get through this thing. Hey, we're going to make it. Or, hey, let's pray. We cannot separate ourselves and isolate ourselves and, and say, well, I'm not talking to them, but I'm going to talk to them. And that's my solution. Is, is No, our tongue is actually a weapon. I've never trained an animal. We don't have a cat. We don't have a dog. Occasionally, we have fish. (laughs) 
They don't last very long. So, and you don't have to train a fish, right? Everything is contained in that bowl or that tank. Um, right now is a season in our life we don't have a fish, which means we haven't replaced the last one. Um, so I, I know nothing about training animals. But James here talks about taming animals and beasts. And he says that man has tamed all these wild beasts. Now, I think, and we can talk about this afterwards, because, again, I have no experience taming anything. I think there's really two ingredients to taming an animal or a beast. Patience and persistence. I think. Correct me later. Again, I don't really do either one with our fish, but I think it takes patience and persistence. Patience is the mercy of God. His mercies are new every morning. That's patience. Every day, God says, I have patience. Whatever you're going through today, there's mercy. I mean, that's patience that he showed towards us. And then the persistence is the grace of God. His love never fails. He's persistent with us. He is pursuing us. That's patience and persistence. So the way that we tame our tongue is patience and persistence. It's to be even patient with ourselves. It's to say, ah, I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to make it right. But I'm not going to get in that cycle where I'm quiet for a week. I'm not going to get in that cycle where I go back to talking bad about them. I know I shouldn't have said that one. I'm going to make it right. But I'm even going to be patient with myself. And I'm going to be persistent that my words will be a weapon for the kingdom of God. Verses 9 through 12. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, but with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. I have three kids. And, and if you take one of them and go shopping, it's a joy. You can go grocery shopping with one of my kids, and they're so helpful. They're like, oh, mom, dad, how about this? Mom, dad, can I push the cart? Mom, dad, can I help load the groceries in the car? Oh, mom, dad, can I bring them inside the house? If you take one kid, you can take one kid to the dentist's office with you. Okay, I'll watch your show right here. Okay. It's, it's wonderful. I've had people come up to me when I'm with one of my kids and say, your son is so well-behaved. You must be a wonderful parent. If you take two or more of my kids anywhere, it's a totally different situation. And my kids are wonderful. But you load them in the car, there's already a fight. Why does he get to sit up front? Because he's older. How does that make sense? I don't know. Can we just go? I want to push a cart. No, I want to push a cart. They're touching the cart. I hate that cereal, but that's my favorite. I want this one. I hate that one. He's breathing in my face. He's looking at me wrong. Dot, dot, dot. You know. And I will have people walk by and under their breath say, that is the worst parent ever. 
Their kids are wild. It's when you add another one in the mix. That's exactly what James is writing about. He's saying, you love your heavenly father. You love to sing his praises. You love to say, how great is our God. But that person beside you, you don't like them very much. We don't like our brothers and sisters. How can we do this? And James simply says, that should not be. It should not be. And James uses a word here when he describes those words. James uses the word curse. He says, how can we speak curses against our brother and our sister? How can we speak a curse? He doesn't say, how can we say mean things? He doesn't say, how can we gossip? He doesn't say, how can we slander? He doesn't say, how can we cuss? He says, how can we curse? He uses the word curse. Cursing someone is to deny them access to God. When we curse someone, we're really saying, I don't want you to have access to God. That's what a curse really is. And James says, how can we do that? How can we know God and tell someone else you don't have access to him? James is saying, when we gossip, we're denying that person access to God. When we slander, when we're angry, when we, I just got to get this off my chest. When we do that, we're denying that person access to God. I mean, God's grace can overcome that. But we can say things and do things that people say, I don't want to be part of that church. We can do things and say things and people saying, I want nothing to do with your God. We can act in such a way that repel people from the kingdom of God. And that's what James is writing about. He's like, how can we curse them? But it's also possible, church, that we can bless others and we can speak a blessing and it introduces people to God. It lifts the doors wide open and says, come, come just as you are. That is the power of our tongue. And James is saying, how can it be when you know how good he is? Why would you deny anybody access to the kingdom of God? And the answer is, we wouldn't. We wouldn't want to do that. My, my mom grew up in an abusive home. She was uh, verbally, physically, sexually abused for years. Um, she's the oldest in her family, and she has six sisters and a brother. And they grew up in extreme poverty. My grandfather was an alcoholic. And my grandma... Um, I don't think she completed middle school. She never got a driver's license. Um, and they were the kids at school that nobody wanted to talk to. Um, teachers didn't want to make eye contact with. In the neighborhood, um, that was the family like, why don't they mow their grass? Why don't they take care of their house? Um, why are their kids seem so wild? Um, and it was generation after generation after generation generation that alcoholism and abuse just carried on. And my mom had never been to church, but she had a neighbor. And this neighbor one day was out doing yard work and my mom was out playing. And this neighbor says, hey, 
hey, little girl, come here. And my mom, in fear, ran inside the house. And so a few days later, same kind of story. This lady's outside, and again, my mom is outside playing. And the lady says, hey, hey, little girl. Hey, come here, come here. And my mom runs inside. And it took days and weeks, finally, for my mom, with her head down as a young girl, to walk up to this lady. And I'm I'm sorry, did, did, did did I do something wrong? And this lady says, hey, what's your name? And my mom, uh, my name is Diane. And the lady, oh, what a beautiful name. And she said, hey. She said, would you like to come to church with me on Sunday? And my mom goes, oh, no, 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 no. We're, we're not allowed to go to church. We don't, we don't go to church. And the lady says, no, 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 I know it's okay. I, I want to bring you to church. She's like, it's okay. I want to bring you. She's like, you can come with me and you can ride with me and I'll take you to church. And mom says, no. She says, I have six sisters and a brother. She's like, you would have to bring all of us. She said, I can't leave them at home. She's like, you would have to bring all of us. Now, this is back in the day where you could. And the lady was like, yeah, just have them all come in the car. And sure enough, that Sunday, they didn't have nice clothes to wear. They didn't have clean clothes to wear. Um, And my mom tells the story, as best as I could, I helped them all get ready, and I just wanted their clothes to match. She's like, "That that was my goal. And she was like, besides school, I could not think of a time we ever left the house, ever. It's like, we never went grocery shopping. We never went to a park. We never went to the zoo. We did nothing. They got in a car, and they rode. And she's like, this is like going to an amusement park. Oh, my goodness, where are we going? Who cares? We're going somewhere. (laughs) You know, and they get to church, and they, they don't know how to act at church. And my mom was very embarrassed by how they behaved and how they wouldn't listen and how they ran around. But as my mom is sitting in her Sunday school class, the teacher says, does anybody in here not know who Jesus Christ is? Do you want to today accept Jesus Christ in your heart? My mom was like, yes, yes. And she raises her hand and that teacher prays over her. And at that moment, Her destiny has changed. My destiny has changed. My kids' destiny has changed. Generation after generation after generation is now changed. My mom got saved. And slowly, one by one, her brother got saved. Her sister got saved. Her other sister got saved. Sister after sister after sister. My grandma got saved. My grandfather got saved. A whole home was radically changed because one lady said, hey, little girl. It's just the tender way that she dealt with her. Yesterday, I was at a meeting at uh, my son's high school, and there were hundreds of parents in the room, and there were a few kids there, like young kids, um, and we're in this meeting, and there's somebody up on the stage. We're in a big lecture room. It's, it's a room that seats a thousand people. And the guy's up on a stage, and he's just talking and sharing. And, and this kid gets in the aisle. And he's just walking around, kind of going like this, up and down the aisle. And I think to myself, where's this kid's parents? 
Like, that's my immediate thing. Um, and then, as he's coming, he goes almost to the front. And he's coming back. He's clapping now. He's going. <laughs> and I roll my eyes. That's my reaction. I go. <sighs> and I'm like, where are the parents? And then he, he's just saying stuff. He's like, oh, yeah, going home later and just walking up and down the aisle. And, and then I hear some other parents around me like, oh, my goodness, where's this kid's parents? Like, they should be taking him out. What's, what's going on here? This is, and I, and I, there's all this kind of like everyone around is talking. I'm like, I know, yeah. And I'm thinking the same thing. Like, this is, and the speaker up on the stage is distracted. He keeps kind of looking and he's distracted and, and it's like everyone is kind of like, there's like this weird tension in the air then. And there's this guy one row ahead of me. And he's sitting on the aisle. And as this boy is walking back, he goes, hey, 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 come here, come here. I'm like, don't bring him over here. <laughs> don't. And we're all like looking back like, where is, where are the, the parents have to be like on the back row. Because he would walk to the back and then he would start back. And, and this guy, who's a complete stranger to this boy, goes, hey, hey, pound it, man, pound it. And the kid goes, okay, and and he's like, hey, hey. And he's teaching him this, this weird handshake thing, just being silly with him. And then he's like, hey. He's like, just quiet down just a little bit. He's like, but you're okay? He's like, just, just quiet down just a little bit. And I'm sitting in there, and I feel this horrible guilt. I'm like, here I am, like, where's the parents? They should take him out. I mean, somebody ought to be getting on to him. And this dad just decides, I'm going to make this a grace moment. He never gets on to the kid. He never, hey, where's your parents? I'm glad I didn't have an aisle seat. <laughs> but this dad handled it beautifully. And at the end, you know, the mom, who obviously was completely overwhelmed in this meeting, that was an hour and a half long to try to get her son to sit through it, was completely overwhelmed. She just walks up and she's like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. I, I, I was overwhelmed. Thank you, thank you so much. It was just, he used his words. Just simple, like one word here. One. You think of how just like one or two words completely changed you. The day you got married, it was two words, I do. The day you began a relationship with Jesus Christ, maybe it was a hand, or maybe it was, yes, yes. Or maybe it was a prayer, like, God, I, I need you. I, I want you in my life. You think in the beginning, God spoke Simple words, and it happened. Darkness was gone. Nothing became something. I, I love that picture of the shepherds, and the angel appears to them, and they freak out, and they hide. I love what the angel of the Lord said. He said, fear not. I bring you good news, great joy, and it's for everyone. Just simple words saying, humanity will never be the same again. Just put it in one sentence. I bring you good news. Don't fear your God anymore. Think of Jesus on the cross. The simple things that he says. He says, listen, Jesus on the cross, listen to what he says. He says, Father, forgive them. In that moment, you're pleading with your Father to forgive them? That's how good our God is. In that moment, you're saying, now remember, you got to forgive them. That's the whole point of this. God, you got to forgive them. And then at the end, it just, which captivated everything in this book from beginning to end, he says, it is finished. Death 
is over. Sickness is broken. It is finished. Three words. Your words are a weapon to speak grace and mercy and life to your kids and to your spouse and to your coworkers. Every single one of us in here today were changed by someone's words. Oh, it was that message. It was that song. It was that person who shared with me. It was dot, 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 that completely changed our lives. And the way that we tame our tongue is not trying harder. It's not counting to 10. It's not being quiet. It's not guilt and it's not shame. It's embracing the mission that he's created us for. That is how we tame our tongue. Why would I gossip about them? I want them set free. It is so easy to report on what we see. Well, obviously, they've got problems. Obviously, they've got financial trouble. Obviously, their marriage is in trouble. Obviously, their kids are misbehaved. Obviously, they're sick. Anybody can do that. But it takes a man or woman of the Spirit to say, I know their marriage is in trouble, but God can do anything. I know their kids are struggling right now, and I know they're worried and concerned about their kids. But God says those words do not return void. I know that they're struggling with their finances now, but God can turn anything around at any moment. It takes a man or woman of the Spirit of God to look at things and say, no, that's not how it will be. And that's what we're called to do. God, I thank you for your word today. God, I pray for all of us who struggle with our words. God, I pray that you will free us from the guilt and shame that comes along with that. God, I I pray right now there are those in here that feel like I have really used words to hurt some people in my life. I've used my words to hurt maybe a spouse, a family member, a kid, a coworker. I've said things and done things. And even I look back now and I, I just, I feel bad about that. I feel horrible about that. And maybe this morning you even feel like I said something and now that relationship is severed. It's broken. God, I thank you today for grace. I thank you today for grace. Right now, over you, I speak grace. I speak the grace of God would flood your heart and your mind. We renounce every negative thing right now that would come to mind that we've spoken over other people. We renounce it. We want it to die. We don't curse people. We bring life to them. So God, I pray right now that this would be a day where we are set free from past things that we've said. We come to the cross. We can't do it on our own. It's not a self-help moment. It's a moment where we look to heaven. Say, God, forgive us, wash us, cleanse us, and make us new.
today set us free. We're not gossips. We're not liars. We are not men and women who use our words to abuse, to control, to manipulate. God, today I pray a 180 that our words would be a spark. Our words would steer the ship. Our words would be like a bridle in a horse's mouth and direct people towards the kingdom of God. So I pray that you would heal words that have been said over our marriage, heal words that have been said towards our kids, heal words we've said with family members, people that we see and interact with. And God, I pray that you will heal us from words that have been spoken towards us. I pray there would be a healing right now in Jesus' name. I pray there are those in here that there have words that have been said to you that you can't shake. You can think back when you were a kid or in school. Things that were said to you that changed your view of who you are and who you are in light of God's grace. I pray today, God, that you would sever it. Sever it today in Jesus' name. I pray that you would heal us from the wounds of others' words. Today, God, we need your grace. We need your mercy. Set us free to be the thing that you've called us to be. God, I pray as a church that we would be like a city on a hill. And the message that would resound, the thing that would be said, that's a house of grace and mercy and life. There is no fear. There is no condemnation. There's life. In Jesus' name, amen.